Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Unpacking the Toolbox is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Actually, here we're doing the scandal rewatch podcast, unpacking the toolbox together. Together. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong; I am very excited to rewatch episodes, which we have to tell you guys how it's been going. Yes. And we've been wanting to do a rewatch podcast and hang out with our fans, our gladiators, who we have missed for far too long. But really, this is just my excuse to hang out with my favorite person on the planet. Same. We just want to hang out together so we could talk shit and reminisce <laughs> about one of the best shows on television. Yes. Do you remember when the last time you watched like a Scandal no. episode? Are you kidding? Okay. First of all, it has been 10 years. We just celebrated the 10 year anniversary of the pilot airing. That's crazy. I don't think I have watched like... I don't think I've watched any episodes of you. I don't think so either. I, You know, there was a moment there where they were still playing like on, on ABC or sure. where I'd be flipping through channels and catch a glimpse. But I wouldn't I wouldn't stay. I would be I would sort of, you know, smile inside and sort of chuckle to myself, but then move on. <laughs> I wouldn't sit yeah. there and watch the whole episode. But being able to do that for the, the podcast was like a gift, man. I have to say, again, like the biggest when I was like. We're doing this Scandal Rewatch podcast. It's called Unpacking the Toolbox, which let's just take a moment. That is a freaking great title. It is the best title. I love it <laughs> so much. It's so Huck and Quinn. It's so Huckleberry Quinn. 
It's so right for the gladiators, the OG gladiators. You know about our toolbox. You know about Huck and his tools. It's great. Okay, so unpacking the toolbox. And there's a, a, a toolbox emoji now on Instagram. There's a toolbox emoji. So gladiators, suit the fuck yes. up. <laughs> Tell your friends about this fucking podcast and make sure you put the toolbox emoji when you do so. Yes. But right quick, I was like mostly excited to hang out with you because I'm obsessed with you. And I think you're the most special, perfect human ever born, (laughs) which I think you guys who watch the show know that Quinn and Huck had a very special connection. But I was most freaked out about going back and watching the episodes. I I was like, I don't know. I was freaked out and then low key excited because I was like, sometimes I'm like, sometimes I do enjoy watching myself, but I don't want like somebody to walk in and be like, you're watching yourself. So I was like, every time Mikey would walk in, I'd be like, well, I have to do this for work. This is for work, you know. See, I fucking hate watching myself. You couldn't pay me. Well, you could pay me a million dollars to do so, but I don't really like watching myself. And I was concerned, like, is 10 years too long or too short? Like, what is the perfect amount to be watching the show? Mm -hmm. And because of this podcast, going back and rewatching these episodes, because G and I are taking this podcast very seriously. We are... We are doing our research. We are watching the episodes backwards and forwards. We have amazing guests coming in to talk about their experiences and their process and how this whole thing went down. But I am loving the episode. Me too. I am shocked about it. Like, I don't remember shit. I don't remember. I don't remember these episodes. I mean, I remember moments and... And scenes here and there, but I'm enjoying it so much. Oh my God, gee, I am too. And I feel like we were so caught up while we were shooting it, but now going back and being able to watch it without any distractions, it's such a good show. It's so good. And I feel like a gladiator. Yes, like, I know me that too. Quinn was a gladiator. I said gla- Quinn says gladiator in a suit. She wants to be a fucking gladiator in a suit in the pilot. But we were so in it when we were making the show. And then when we would even watch the episodes back then, we were so obsessed with tweeting that we really didn't focus and give my full attention to watching the episodes. And right now, going back and watching these episodes, I am <laughs> such a fan. I am such a fan. It's so exciting. I am such an OG gladiator. I love everyone's characters, the writing, the way that it was shot, the ins and outs. I'm just grateful already. And what's good, I want to say real quick too, that what's good about this podcast is even if you haven't rewatched the show, you're still going to freaking enjoy the podcast because that's how fucking nutty and like fun and crazy and kooky me and Katie are getting on this podcast. Yeah, we have fun. Yes, but if you can rewatch uh, Scandal on Hulu because it really is a freaking amazing show like no other. Yeah. It holds up. That's one thing. I mean, yes. I'm sure so many actors, artists watch stuff they've shot in the past and they're like, oh, wow, this thing is just come and gone and is it doesn't really hold up. Scandal 100 percent holds up. I am watching all the other critically acclaimed shows right now. And Scandal is just as good, if not better. It's better. Honestly. It's better. So yes. Do yourself a favor. Listen to the podcast. Rewatch the episodes. Hang out with us. Every episode is going to be such a fucking good time. It's me and G hanging out, shooting the shit. Yes. We are talking about plot. We have guests that come on that talk about their processes. We talk about what we ate for lunch. We talk about farts. We talk about crying. We talk about sex. We talk about tear sticks. We talk about every (laughs) single amazing actor, guest star, co-star, and every horror film they've ever been in, thanks to Guillermo Diaz. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then we just like 
hang out, make you laugh, have a good time, and feel like the Scandal fam is all back together again. Exactly. The gang's all back together. And this is our first freaking show. It's the first podcast we've ever done. We are going back in time. It's the 10-year anniversary since the pilot aired and drastically changed all of our lives, really. Yeah. And Guillermo and I are wearing our um, TGIT and Guillermo, Guillermo yeah, some you scandal look apparel. delicious. <laughs> I look delicious. <laughs> I'm wearing a season two scandal, like baseball jersey type situation. Sans like the undershirt because it's too damn tight because this is old as hell. So I'm- We deserve all the applause that we are fitting. <laughs> we are going to be bringing out on this podcast all the vintage throwback scandal things we got. <laughs> yeah. Okay. G, take me back. To where you were in your life before Huck. What the heck were you doing? Honestly, I was at a point in my life where I was no joke. Like, I need a job. Like, I really need a job. I was doing, you know, guest spots. And I I was, um, I was still doing weeds at the time. But I was recurring on weeds. So it wasn't a steady gig. You know what I mean? I loved being on weeds. But I was at that point in my life where I was like, I really need to book something significant. That That's where I was in my life. So when Ugh. Scandal came along, I was like, fucking like, oh, man, thank God. Where were you? Do you remember where you were at? Like right before? Oh, my God. I was 28. I just got engaged to Adam Shapiro. Adam. Sweet, sweet Adam. I know. And I was a babysitter. What? what? And you would you'd been doing that for years, right? Like you were a nanny for a oh long God. time, no? I was a waitress for a decade and then I couldn't handle the food service industry anymore in Los Angeles because I would always wait on people that I was auditioning for, Ugh. literally. Like I would have yeah. like screen tests and be auditioning and then I would be like asking for their drink order. <laughs> Do you want more you know? bread? Yeah. And how, yeah, oh, exactly. Shit. And so I was like, oh, I could still babysit and pay my rent that way. But at least it's like behind closed doors and not as embarrassing. Um, and so I was nannying for a very, very fancy highfalutin family when the call for scandal came in and I remember being like, oh, my God, her name is Quinn and my middle name is Quinn. And maybe that's a sign from the universe it's that this is my be. part. Yeah. Can this please be my part? Can this Ugh. please save me from this? And similar to you, like I had been working, but not at the level you had been working. But I had been, you know, I had done a bunch of guest stars. I had recurred on a couple shows. I had booked a pilot that didn't go like there were some things, but it was never, ever, ever steady enough where I could give up my side hustle. Exactly. Yeah. And I was at that place where I was like, am I going to have to get a side hustle? No. Like right before this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't believe it. Oh, yeah. God. You know how it is for actors. It ebbs and flows. Oh, like, it's the craziest. It's feast or famine. Yeah. You make good money and then that shit, that job ends and you're like, okay, I have no idea what's next because we just got to go back to the drawing board, go back to auditioning. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you and I met? Katie, I don't remember. (gasps) Do you? How dare you? Neither do I. (laughs) I remember. I feel like you've always... Like we've always been connected and you've always sort of been in my life since Scandal started. So I but I don't remember exactly the moment. Was it at Prospect Studios where we rehearsed? It had to have been, but I don't remember either. Okay, you don't run. Thank God. No, 
but don't if, remember. But I feel like me and you like gravitated towards each other, like emotionally and physically probably as well. We were like, I love this girl. Like, I feel like that happened right away. Yeah, it, we neither one of us may be able to remember the exact moment mm-hmm. we met. But I do know that from the jump, it was a love and a soulmate connection of like, we are going to travel this life together. Yes. And then and then we had that tumultuous affair. But that's not that's neither here nor there. We'll save that for the podcast. I love it. Get it. Yeah, guys, keep listening. You can hear about me and Guillermo's affair. Um, I am in love with you, though, and how could you not be? And I also just think we had those scenes in the pilot together. I feel like we were tied from that scene in the pilot where we were in the bathroom and you said, we don't cry here and you're a stray dog and Olivia takes us in. But we also got the best scoop. Like me and me and you always had the scoop. Remember, sometimes we'd be on set talking talking about stuff or having telling a story or some bochinche bochinche is like scoop in spanish and then carrie carrie has serious fomo oh yeah she's always the last to know but also carrie would hear us and be we'd be so into telling uh, into what we were talking about that she would feel that energy and walk over and be like what are you guys talking about tell me and we'd be like um by the way that would be everybody and you and i we could talk you guys will see as we get into the Scandal Rewatch podcast, Guillermo and I can talk for 100,000 hours about yes. absolutely nothing, and it's hilarious, <laughs> and we love it. But that was how the entire seven years of Scandal was, and he and I are always talking, having fun, gossiping, whatever, and everyone always gravitated towards our... Our energy, just like our... Yeah, Our yeah. vibe, man. They always entered... So we always have the scoop. We knew what everybody was up to. <laughs> Without further ado, let's get this this. Pre- premiere red carpet first episode of the Scandal Rewatch podcast unpacking the toolbox off and running to the races. Numero uno. Numero uno. (laughs) We have got episode 101 titled Sweet Baby. It aired on April 5th in 2012. It was written by Shonda Rhimes. And it was directed by the brilliant Paul McGuigan. Guest starring Wes Brown as Sully St. James. Amy K. Harmon as Ariel Massey. Brian Rasmussen as Howie. Alan Coleman as Vlad and Marek Probosk as Oscar. All you gladiators listening know that one of the most important key elements of the special sauce that made Scandal Scandal was the scandal pace at which we told stories. So let us warm your ears up and your hearts up by telling you weekly the synopsis of each episode that we're going to dive into. And we're going to tell you the synopsis of that episode in Scandal Pace. Give it to him. Let's give it to (gasps) him. When Quinn Perkins starts a new job at crisis management firm Olivia Pope and Associates, she must stay on her toes to navigate the tricky cases they handle. The latest client of OPA, Sully St. James, stumbles into the office distraught and covered in the blood of his dead girlfriend, adamant that he didn't kill her, but tight-lipped on the details. Meanwhile, the White House is facing a scandal with the president and an aide, and who else is brought in to fix the problem but Olivia Pope? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Guys, it's been a while. G and I, we need to do our vocal warm-ups. We, do. we need to do our me, 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 me. red leather, la, yellow leather, la. red leather, red leather. Bangs his fist against the post. He still insists he sees the ghosts. Remember that one? (laughs) No, but it's amazing. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with it. Okay, so we'll jog your memories every episode. We'll tell you the title, the director, the guest stars, the co-stars, the synopsis in scandal pace. And some episodes we're going to have guests. Some episodes we ain't going to have guests. But this episode. We got a guest. 
And now we need a drum roll, people. Oh, we need a, man. We need, I can't wait. We don't even need a drum roll. We also need a full-on Stevie Wonder song Hell or yeah. an Aretha Franklin song or any of the amazing songs that Scandal had to key up the queen. I'm doing a little shuffle in my seat because I'm excited. <laughs> the queen of television. For the inaugural episode, we pull out the biggie. The big guns, yeah. The one, the only, the most special queen bee herself. Shonda, Shonda Rhimes. Hello. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> and we need to take a picture of this. We're drinking out of our gladiator wine cups. It's too early in the morning to actually be drinking Chateauneuve de Pop. Right. Who gave us these glasses? Did we get them from, was it production that gifted these? I don't even remember. It might have come from the network. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe. Wow. Well, you know what? There's going to be hopefully a real opportunity for merch with this podcast because this is a great wine glass. <laughs> Shonda, can you tell us about where you got this idea, the origin story of Scandal, meeting Judy Smith, writing the pilot? So I was busy at the time with uh, Grays and I think also private practice, and Betsy was like, I met this incredible woman. She's got this incredible job. I want her to talk to you about it. And I was like, I don't have time for this. You know, I'm just too busy and I wasn't thinking about creating another show. No, you already had to. Yeah, too much to do. So Betsy said, um, just sit with her for like a half an hour. So Judy Smith came in. She's this amazing, formidable woman who basically always wears white, sat down and started talking to me about her job. And the more she talked to me about the job, the more I was like, this is fascinating. This life of a of a fixer, because Judy had been like the fixer for the White House during the Bush era, Bush II era. And she had all of these amazing stories. And I was sort of dazzled by the stories. I thought they were amazing. She had represented Monica Lewinsky, you know, that whole thing. Like she'd done a lot. And we ended up talking not for half an hour, but like for four hours or something like that. Wow. Oh my and by the God. time we were done talking, I was like, I can see like 70 episodes easy. Like I can see exactly what those episodes would be. Wow. Yeah. And then... Did you just go off and write? Was it like an easy thing to write? Was it did it was it hard to get it out of your brain? No, you know, I think it was pretty easy to write because I kind of understood the character I was making. Once I let go of the fact that it didn't have to be exactly Judy that I could play, I felt really good about the character I was making. And then all the other characters became really clear to me really fast, which was great. Thank God for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for you. Judy was yeah. there to like tell me how she did her job. Like I'd call her and ask for like like tiny details about right. how she did her job. And that's what really made the series, I think, special is is the fact that we had somebody real informing us. Right. First of all, she gave us all of her business cards when we started. Yeah, I remember that. And I was like, please, Lord, let us never have to use this. Like, I don't want to call it. Didn't she come to like one of our first rehearsals at Prospect Studios? I think so. Because we, rehear we rehearsed the show like it was a play. And I remember her being there. I think that's when she gave us her business cards. And we were all like, oh my God, this is the Judy Smith. This is who Olivia Pope is loosely based on. And obviously on the show, like... You know, Olivia Pope has an affair with the president. Obviously, that didn't happen with Judy Smith. Right. This woman has to go around being like, scandals based on my life, but I did not sleep with Bush Sr. or Jr. <laughs> inspired by. Inspired by my job is what I kept telling her to say. Yes, yes, yes. That's great. Inspired by my job. So when you were when you were listening to her story, Shonda, and did it just sort of uh, come into your brain that you kind of went off and then started thinking, oh, they uh, these two characters can have an affair and it sort of grew from there. Where did, where did that sort of come from? Well, when I'm making a show or making writing a script, I always think, what's the worst thing that could happen for these two people? 
Like, what's the worst way for things to go? That's so great. That's so good. <laughs> Which is, you know, how Huck ended up like as a violent killer. And you know what I mean? But what's the worst way to go? And the worst way I could think of was if you're representing a girl from the White House, because it really started with me having like a little Monica Lewinsky story. I was like, the worst thing is that, that you've been having a secret affair with this man. And now you discover that, that this is just how he plays. Wow. Yeah, that's not good. But when you wrote the pilot, did you have any idea that the Fitz-Olivia phenomenon, the one minute, the take off your clothes, the chemistry beyond epic proportions would be what it was? Not when I wrote it. Not when I wrote it. And I remember the studio calling me up or the network calling me up and saying, can you, we love it. Can you just take out one little part? Like, can't you just be friends with the president? Can she not have the affair? What? And I remember saying... Olivia Pope is going to have sex on the White Oval Office desk in the first season of this series. And if you don't want that, then I'm not doing the series. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you. Oh, no way. And then when we were shooting it, you know, the chemistry with Carrie and Tony was crazy. Like, I was not like that, that, that scene in the Oval Office at the end. I was not expecting that much amazing chemistry. I mean, Tony's right. so incredible and so is Carrie, but I just wasn't expecting it to be that like that fire, you know, it was great. Yeah. I remember showing up that night just to watch the shooting of it, which I, it was like, I think, I think we have to talk about the whole pilot experience, but I think that scene in the oval where they make out and they're like hiding where the cameras can't see them. That was mm-hmm. our last night of shooting. And I remember being like, yes. I just want to go. Cause I just never want this to end. And I remember being there behind the monitor watching and it was, you could hear a pin. I mean, it oh, was, yeah. Oh, it Them was, hiding like in the curtains, oh, like oh, it was so intense. It, yeah. was, it was so on. It was so on. All I want to say is, how did you cast Quinn and Huck? No, we'll get. Yeah. To- <laughs> we'll get to that. That's good though. That's good stuff though. We will be back with more after the break. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Annabay. Annabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget friendly prices. That's right. Sofas from only $639. Annabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. 
Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, so how did you cast Olivia Pope? Like, did a lot of people test for that role? Well, let's be clear. And I don't think even think I realized how big of a deal this was, but it was the first leading role for a woman of color in a drama in like 37 years or something. So wow. one thing I was very clear about was there are so many actresses who've never gotten the shot. Like we're not turning mm. anybody away. Like if you were of note, we are not turning you away. So it felt like it was this like march of like 50, like of some of the most incredible actresses I'd ever seen showing up in our office. And it was amazing to Ugh. watch. It also broke my heart because why should it have to be this way? Because you could only cast one. yeah. <laughs> and I could only cast one. And so it came down to Carrie, Anikononi Rose. Oh, I love her. And Jill Scott. Three women who could oh, not be my. more different. Could wow, not so be different. more different. Also would love to see a show with the three of them. <laughs> yeah. But I loved them all. And I loved everybody's performance as Olivia Pope. I really did. And I just kept thinking, like, which show am I writing? Because I'm writing a different show for each one of these women. It just felt like it was going to fundamentally be different for every for every woman. And in the end, I sat down with Carrie. And I remember thinking, like, she's too pretty. Like, somebody this powerful, like, doesn't get, get away with being pretty. <laughs> and I was – which was so wrong of me. And then I sat down with Carrie. And she talked politics like nobody's business for, like, an hour. And I, I got it entirely, immediately. Yeah, that was the whole and I get it. I mean, Carrie Washington is an alien of remarkable beauty. It's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one looks like that. Yeah. No, no yeah. one looks <laughs> like that. No one has bone structure like that. I mean, she's gorgeous and she's also incredibly politically active and an activist and all these things that really lined up for the perfect Olivia Pope. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah. pilot, the amount of slow-mo walking scenes in a white coat is, <laughs> is the greatest. Oh, it just satisfies every part of your being watching it. It sure does. Yeah, it is. It's like, it's, it's like the dream life in a way that you want to live. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shonda, did the studio network know that Olivia Pope was a black woman or no when you wrote it? So I want to be clear. When I went in to pitch this, I told Channing, I said, and she's going to be black because Judy Smith is black. And Channing just nodded. And I don't, I think like me, she didn't think as Channing's a woman of color. I don't think she thought like, I better go warn everybody or anything. Like this is not a problem. Right, right. And so when they picked up the pilot, 
um, the head of casting called me and was like, Connie Britton would be the perfect choice for this role. Uh, no. And I said, I adore Connie Britton. She would be, except Olivia Pope is black. And it was like this long moment of silence. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was just going to bring up what you brought up before, like like the the casting process for the rest of the of the cast. I remember for, for going in for Huck and I remember getting the sides and being like super pissed off that I was even being considered for this. Cause I think the character was described as like in his like fifties, like mid fifties. I was like, I was like 39 at the time. And I was like, now I'm 51. And I'm like, this is the new 20. Like, but at the time I was like, what the fuck? They went why? Yeah. Like how dare you think I'm 50? Yeah. I just felt I wasn't right for, I remember going into the audition to, to read for, for you, Shonda and for Linda Lowy. And I think there was somebody else in the room and just being like, I'm going to do, do my best. And, and you wrote this like brilliant monologue and the character was obsessed with like little figurines that were all over his desk. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. I had to write something just to cast the role because Huck didn't say much. And I knew that eventually he would. Yeah. I knew eventually he would. So I wrote this monologue. Oh, it was so good. And then I, so I did the monologue and then the, we just all kind of sat there in silence for a minute. And you looked at me and said, you're a very interesting actor. Like, I remember that so clearly. And I was like, oh, thank you, thank you. And then I left. And then, you know, another odd thing that happened with casting was that you you cast, I think most of us, at least me, after just one audition. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. You, you know, we didn't test for it. But you just knew. And the fact that you got this whole cast together that has such amazing chemistry and it all just freaking was, oh. It, it was so special. Like, but I know Kate, Katie's story is like. Katie's story is crazy. But didn't you first tell her that she didn't get it? So they call me in and I think I'm going to test. And they say, Shonda says, um, you can see this on the behind the scenes DVD of, of season yes, one. That's right. That's <laughs> well, right. You can see my audition. You Katie's can see like what Shonda casting told stories. me. Yeah. She gave me the part and I cried real, real ugly cried. And, no, but um, I loved it so much. It was like it was like the most fun thing I ever got to do is to like deliver good news to somebody. You know, it was just lovely. And then I said, "What am I supposed to do?" And you said, "Someone's going to call you, and there's going to be a wardrobe <laughs> fitting, and there's going to be a table read." I was like, "There's going to be a table read." <laughs> like, okay, I didn't first tell her that she didn't get it. What I said was, she came in to do the test. And then we brought her in the room and we already had the camera rolling. And I said, Katie, you're, you know, I just want to let you know you're not going to be able to test for this part. And she was like, mm-hmm, just so po- politely, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like trying really hard. And, and you could see her dying a little bit inside. And I was like, because yeah. we're just going to give it to you. And she was like, <laughs> she like went crazy. It was it was so much fun. Oh, my God. I, I've never I mean, that's your, you know, you've won the lottery. You know, you've you've. Yeah here's your car and you're, I mean, it was insane. It was so, but even bigger than that because it had been something I'd wanted and worked for. I think when I was 23 or something, I said to someone, I just want to work with Shonda Ryan. Wow. <laughs> um, oh my God. Oh my God. My But Shonda, most actors have to go through nine, like, like pre-reads, callbacks, producers tests, d- different sides, different looks, wear something else, come meet this person. It is awful <laughs> and then you start to shoot the show and there's like not really that much chemistry or the show is not that great after all that bs you know what i mean that's a good point yeah you put in all that work and then you're like ah, oh. no for me it was like i knew and I, i'll be very honest i knew when i saw you like what i was like this is perfect like this is exactly what wow. i was looking for when i said same wow. with katie 
I knew when I saw her that it was exactly what we're waiting for. And because she was newer, um, the network was like, she needs to test. And then Linda Lowy and I went at the network and we're like, we're not doing a test. Like, we're not doing that. Like, she's the only person who's getting this, getting offered this part. Wow. And if we don't do this, I, would be, I, I used a lot of, I'm not making this pilot a lot to get what I wanted, which is not very mature. I love it. I love it. Guillermo and I talk about this all the time. So for you listening, Shonda is usually not on set because she's really busy writing. <laughs> and yes. for a new number of other reasons. Um but for our pilot, which I think took three, two or three weeks to make, Shonda was there for every single frame. We shot nights. It was cold. We were in a really dank downtown, cool place that we then built and made into Olivia Pope and Associates on a stage. Do you have any, what are your memories from being there for those? Cr- I mean, we were up all night loopy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I remember like one. I remember being there to make sure everybody talked fast enough. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It was really my big worry was everyone's not going to talk fast enough. And part of that talk fast enough was simply that I had written a really long pilot. <laughs> you were like, y'all got to talk quick. We're not cutting this out. Yeah, yeah, I felt like the pace of this show, like the pace of how these people live their lives. You know, the White House could be slower, but Pope and Associates was like this thing. And I wanted that to happen. I, I mean, it was so interesting because I just met Paul McGuigan. I didn't know him. I just had loved his um, pilot Sherlock and the work he'd done there. And we talked for a long time. But I was also there to like sort of go like, what what's he doing? What's he choosing to do? What's the look going to be? Because I really don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't talk in visuals. I really just, you know, talk in story and what I'm thinking. And so to watch him translate that was great. You know, it was a really great experience. Yeah. I have in my notes, one of the, one of the other characters on the show was were these panels that our, our DP started to incorporate into shooting. Do you remember, Katie? Like we oh, would do yeah. our tra- traditional coverage mm-hmm. of the scene and then somebody would call out panels and then they would bring out these sort of beveled pieces of thick glass yes. and they would stand the characters be behind these glasses and the camera would sort of, you know, travel, you know, side, side to side. And it just gave it this like sexy, like sort of dangerous, like voyeuristic, unique look. Yeah. Yeah, Voyeuristic feel. Yeah. That's so true. And the colors, like what they created, the dark blues and grays and like, it just seemed really not poppy. It didn't seem bright at all. It seemed sort Mm -hmm. of like underground, like all the stuff we were going, that was going on. Yeah. And like you mentioned, Katie, our, our where we shot the pilot, it was this amazing location in downtown LA, and there were these these uh, cracked pieces of of windows. Yes, that oh, which which now looking back at the, watching the show again, watching it back, I was thinking it's so symbolic of all the the cast of characters, right? Because we're all cracked and broken mm-hmm. and leaking. Like I remember, we would have to put photos up on those pieces of glass, and sometimes. It was a struggle because it was raining outside and they had to figure out a way to get the pictures to stick because there were all these cracks. And then they created that on the stages. Oh, it was so wonderful. They replicated that so beautifully. That freaked me out how well they did that. Yes. Oh, my God. Everybody. And you know what's cool? Everyone really stuck with it. Like Mm -hmm. seven years. I don't you know, we just really didn't have a lot of turnover in terms of like. Head of wardrobe, production, mm-hmm. like so everyone true, Katie, believed yeah. in it. And I don't know yeah. how you built this team. I know you've talked about this, like a no asshole policy, but like yeah. it really <laughs> felt like 
the cast and the crew was just a machine. Like, we were so tight. We still are. I mean, it's really, mm-hmm. it, it, when I see someone from Scandal, like a Mary Howard or a Line producing or a Tom Verricar producing director or someone, I'm emotional. Like, I'm, yeah. it really felt like a family early on. How did you do that? One, I think Betsy and I did our homework. At least two people had to say you weren't an asshole for us to hire you. <laughs> yeah. But at least two two outside people had to vouch for like your personality or who you were as a person. Uh, because, you know, people are always lovely to me. But then I find out that they're horrible to the PAs or they're, you know, mean. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, yes. I, I'm like, uh-uh. That creates a bad set. And then we had Mary Howard, who I've learned if you want your set to run the way you would run your set, find somebody who shares the same mindset as you. And Mary was all about creating like a family environment and a comfortable environment for everyone to work in and making everybody feel valued. And then we got Lynn Paolo to do the costumes and she was already somebody that, you know, I had been really into and loving her work and it was great to get her too. So it was it was just this nice building process. I still work with Lynn to this day. Everyone told me because I was sort of the baby that like, you know, you really better enjoy this because this, you know, the Tonys and the Jeffs, like this is, this is this rare. Is rare. This yeah. is lightning mm-hmm. in a bottle. Like we've had very long careers and we've moved from group to group and cast to cast. And this is so magical. We used to get all the press used to come up to us and be like, come on. Somebody don't fucking really like somebody. hang out all the time like, or like each other. Bo- yeah. Come on. This cannot be real. And I'm like, it is real. I don't know what to tell you. We're obsessed with each other. We go to events and we only talk to each other. We don't even want to talk to anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we also had so many amazing moments outside of, of shooting the show. Like we went to so many events and yes. one memory that's, that stuck out. I think Katie and I talked about this a, a few days ago was we went to this glad awards event where um, myself, Katie, and Carrie were presenting an award to you, Shonda. It was a, a GLAAD award. I forget. In San Francisco. What, in yes, San Francisco. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and we had so much fun. And I, the, the thing that sticks out for me is we were, a, after the awards, we were on the dance floor just dancing it up with you and, and me and and, uh, and Katie and my boyfriend, Mike, yeah. was there. And at one point, real, I don't think I ever told you this, Katie, or maybe I did. But oh, at excited. one point, we're dancing, Shonda, and this dude sort of shimmies up and saddles up in front of me and starts dancing. And he's getting a little flirty. And you walked up to him and you said, he's got a man. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> I do. I do. And I remember That's at that so moment mean. thinking, oh, my God, this is such a down woman. Like, I, <laughs> she's got my back. I loved <gasps> it so much. But also cut to, like, later on that night, me and Mikey had a threesome with that guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. That's amazing. Really? Oh, fucking way, girl. Is that true? Yes. Never yes. do that. But Never me, but me and Mike still talk about it to this day. Mike adores you, and he was like, "Oh my god, I fucking love Shonda. This she did that and stepped in and was like, nope, he's got a man.' <laughs> oh, it was so amazing. Um, so we do the pilot, and then we wait to hear about if we're gonna get a season one, and we get six episode order. How did you feel about that? I was pissed. I mean, I will just say that flat <laughs> out. I was pissed. I was like. Did I not deliver, you know, 100 episodes of Scandal for you? I mean, Grey's Anatomy for you. Did I not or, or give you 100 episodes of Private Practice? Like, what the fuck? And I was mad. I was really mad. But I was also like, it's going to keep going. And so we had fun writing it that season because we knew that we were like sort of writing the hell out of the show for our lives. Like, get it all in there just in case. Yeah. But I also loved it. So I was like, they're going to they're gonna pick it up. 
Do you remember when the show was called, was it, when the show was called Damage Control? Before yes, it was called like Scandal. Five. Do you remember that? It wasn't the real name, though. That was the name we put on scripts. Oh, you know? Gotcha. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. I thought yeah. Damage Control was the name that just didn't get approved by the studio or network so and they chose yeah, Scandal. That's what I, I had thought. no idea. I learned that after, you know, Grays, that after that, that... I mean, we called that the Entitled Shonda Rhimes Project. We called private practice the Entitled Shonda Rhimes Project. And then I was like, I need a name that doesn't have my name in it. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to try to build it out, I think. Now all of our shows have code names when we, oh, wow. when we start them. I yeah. had no idea that damage control was just like a placeholder. And I think Quinn Perkins was Quinn Riley and Harrison wasn't Harrison Wright. It was Harrison. Yeah. It was once I got to know you guys that I decided what your last names were. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love it. Wow. Yo, can we can we talk about like rewatching the the show? Me and Katie keep texting each other and we're like, "Oh my god, this show is so freaking good." And but one one person that sticks out for us is Columbus Short cuz he is like freaking like magic on this show and it, it's just such a thrill to watch him work, right Katie? He's like genius in front of the camera. Like I absolutely loved writing for him and watching him work because he was, he was genius behind the camera. I mean, in front of the camera, the stuff yeah. he would do and the, just the little yeah. tiny things oh. were so oh, flipping great. The phone, making a, did it like some sound with his, like he was so musical and rhythmic and which worked so well with Scandal because you wrote such mu- musical scripts where Pace was such a, had such a musicality that he just leaned into that. And he had such a talent for that. Yeah. The yeah. two of you were great. Oh. I remember watching you two yes. the first time doing that scene. It was great. I had never been so nervous in my life. Then but he was nervous. Do you know that he, he was. was nervous? Yeah. He was very nervous. He was putting on a front for me of being like, I'm cool, I'm cool. And I'm like, you are shitting bricks, dude. Like, this is Shonda Rhimes is sitting over there and Betsy Beers is sitting over there. And I think they have a stopwatch and we need to be cool and we need to get this. And it was absolutely terrifying. Is it true that did you audition Columbus or is he like the one actor that did not audition? I thought I had heard something about that. I feel like he was offered it, but maybe I'm wrong. That's what I had heard, too. No, I feel like he came in and auditioned or at least came in and met. Oh, gotcha. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, I think I know that he came in and then then we just, like like everybody else. I just knew that he was right. Yeah. 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 We thought when we were now that we're embarking on the Scandal Rewatch podcast, Unpacking the Toolbox, I'm so excited to hang out with our Scandal family is really the point. And honestly... I'm going to be real, real honest right now. I was like, oh, the only thing I really don't want to do is watch Scandal because I'm scared that I'm having to watch something and I don't think I'm good or look at what I used to look like or look at, you know, you're just it's all wrapped up in actor bullcrap and like whatever. And I don't know if it's going to be fun for me to do this. I could not be more wrong. It's so much fun. Yeah. I had the experience of feeling like I'd never actually seen the show that everybody talks about. Yes. You know, because I was always writing it or one episode ahead or editing one episode behind. Like, and it was, I was too worried about like making everything perfect. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't really, like I could watch the show when we were all together and we were like, you know, doing our live tweeting Twitter or whatever. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I couldn't watch it just like on my own. Like it was too much. And so when I sat down to watch it again, which was not that long, probably right a little bit before you started watching it again, it was surreal. 
Yeah. Because yeah. I could actually like see and enjoy the stories that were told. Some of the, some of the stories, it was so funny. I was like, that's what happened? Oh my God. <laughs> it was been so long. Right? It's the same. When they say like Thorngate and like all these things, yeah. I'm yes. like, I don't even think I understood what the hell was going on. Like, it's really. This has been such a gift. This podcast is such a gift. And all of you gladiators who are listening right now, like, give yourself the gift of going back and watching the show. Or if you've never seen it, tell a friend to watch it because the show holds up. I It is better than all the shows I've watched. It, right is. Like, it I, totally is. And I'm taking myself out of it. I'm saying when I just sit and watch, like, Kerry Washington and Tony Goldwyn do their thing. I mean, because what's cool about the show, there's a White House half and there's an OPA half. So I can... You know, I'm watching the show. I don't really remember the OPA stuff. But then there's a whole part of the show that I have nothing to do with. And it's so freaking good. Oh, my God. I can't believe what you made, Shonda. I can't. But also, oh, no. you have to remember that, like, I had this. The writing the writing staff for that show was, like, every best writer I'd ever worked with. How that was really that? what that was. How did you so, do that? Well, people in Shondaland stay. They tend to stay. Because A, they know they're going to have a job, but B, like they tend to stay because I, I hope that they liked it there. But what happened was is we'd have like – we'd have like Sevi who went to MIT and was like telling us all the technical stuff. We'd ha- we had a, a journalist. Matt had been a journalist you know, on the press pool and could tell us all that stuff. And the things that that room came up with just by themselves, I'd, come, I'd leave and I'd come back to the room and I'd be like, holy crap, that's amazing. Like they just had a gift for building that show. It was brilliant, brilliant minds that were just, again, sort of like the cast. They just really and most of them stuck with us. I mean, when we when we've been doing research on the show in the series, I mean, I'm reading names of writers and directors who you've taken from a million episodes of Scandal. But then I worked with most of them on Inventing Anna. Like, you know what I mean? It's it's really Mm -hmm. um, even even guest stars, guest stars that came on Scandal when I, I would do research and Google people for for the podcast and be like, oh, my God, they did. A bunch of Grey's episodes, a bunch of mm-hmm. private practice episodes. Like, yeah, that, like you said, they keep they you bring them back. It's it, and they they want to keep coming back. I like to work with people who I like to work with. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I've had a great experience with you, I mean, I would work with Jeff Perry like any day of the week, every day of my Hell life. Yeah, yeah, you know oh what my I mean. God, like, so would all of us. Yeah. My right? God, Mr. Magoo, Mr. <laughs> What I loved was that he had to play such a different character than he played before and was like so amazing. Yeah. Yes. And him at the table reads, he has like 8,000 glasses. Like he's nearsighted and farsighted. I don't know what's going on. And he has to hold his cell phone a certain distance. Like super close to his face. And then his script has to be a certain way. But the crazy (laughs) thing is it all looks wild. And then you sit down for the table read and you're getting a $350 ticket front row seat to a Mm -hmm. Broadway show where his even his table read acting is epic. Yes. <laughs> epic. Yeah. And just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. I want to say this. I remember the episode where he gives that long monologue to Fitz about what's going to happen to him if he lets this Olivia oh, get yes. out of control. Yes. So you're going to take out that pistol that your father gave you and you're going to shoot yourself. Like that whole thing. And I was, I remember the table read being like, I wrote that. Holy shit. I never thought it was going to be that. Like never in a million years thought it was going to be that. I had a lot of that with you guys, though. I had a lot of experiences where I was like, they just elevated the material in a crazy, amazing way. How did you know that monologues were going to work on the show? I mean, monologues are very rare. I I, I don't think I've ever seen TV shows with the amount of 
you know, you would have a character talk single space page for two page, you know, single space. Because we say it's so damn fast. Pages. That's why yes. it worked. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it, in a lot of ways, because you said everything so fast, it did make it work because there was none of that like overacting that people accidentally do when they have a monologue or the long pauses that they think mean something like you guys just threw yourselves into it. And we're so natural about it. Uh, totally. Who came up with the camera shutter sound? I don't even remember. I think McGuigan came up with it with the editor in the editing oh, wow. room. He did his director's cut. I'm pretty sure. Cause it was already there. It was already there when I got it. I'm pretty sure. I, you have to ask Scott Collins, who does all our post-production. He'll remember exactly. It, oh, we have to have him on. We have to have him on. But that is so iconic. Whenever oh, I hear it, like... It's so <laughs> scandal. Yeah, I'm you like, just think that's... scandal. Yeah. Did you know the music was going to be, like, 70s? Yeah, like... It was the music I was listening to while writing the pilot. I listened to a lot of Stevie Wonder, and I listened to a lot of Aretha Franklin. And I don't know... Like, Washington is such a it's such a political city, but it's also, like, a very black city. Do you know what I mean? Like it, the population of people of color is huge. And it felt like there was like that was the soul of Washington to me. Like it felt wow. good and it, it resonated yeah. for me. And I enjoyed using that music. Oh, it's the best. And I, I love how the music sort of plays against what's happening on screen. You know what I mean? Because Huck will be, Huck and Quinn will be torturing someone and you're hearing, you know, like <laughs> an upbeat, yeah. like, yeah, like the temptations or whatever. So it works so, so well. No, we would always say when we would start to like solve a case at OPA, I would always be like, at the car wash. Yeah, Yeah, at the car wash. Yeah. Or like, um, very superstitious. You know, just be like, like, this is what's going to come on right now. And it was so iconic. I think I Hmm. use literally every last one of Stevie Wonder songs in the show. And almost without, without, with the exception of like her, her true like gospel church singing, Every last one of Aretha Franklin's songs. Are you kidding? Oh, wow. No. I love that. Yeah. Didn't Stevie Wonder write something specifically for Scandal at the very end? He wrote the song for the finale. And when you get yeah. to talking about the finale, I will come back on and tell you uh, the process please, of working please. with Stevie Wonder, which was insanely oh amazing. I mean, he's just oh, a yeah. genius. That's, you're going to have to come on and tell us about the ending uh, of the show. We'll be right back, guys. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. It's all you. With lightweight construction and technology that smooths, shapes, and supports, these silhouettes are designed to conform to your curves for a natural-looking fit. 
Experience unlined perfection with the Invisible Lift Demi Bra, a style that moves with you and is nearly undetectable under clothes. Or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Unbelievable and unforgettable, there's more to explore when it comes to Body by Victoria. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44. That's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Things that were in the middle of the seven years get a little mushy, and I'm so excited to be watching these episodes again to remind myself of what was going on. But what's stuck so much in my head is the pilot. I can... It's and then the finale. I just remember so much about the beginning and the end of this show. And uh. there are a few episodes I remember really vividly, um, just really vividly. Um, Seven fifty-two. Oh, honestly, yes. like that episode oh. was so dear to me, and I, I was so proud of it and the way it came out and the work everybody did. That was a big one. Yeah. That um, was another one that you came to set and you sat on set for those monologues yes, that did. every character did to to Huck. And I remember all of us being like, well, I was like, I just got to sit on the ground and keep repeating 752. <laughs> Y'all got to remember like, you know, 98 lines. F you. I got my monologue at 6 p.m. the night before and I was first up. I used to take hits like that all the time. But honestly, I was so I was like, I can do it. Like, I can do yeah. it. And, and, yeah. You know, like, they used to call me the closer because I was the youngest, and they would give me the, like, 11 p.m. scene on a Friday night. <laughs> and you'd be like, like all yeah. there. You shouldn't give that to Jeff. <laughs> give it to me. I can do it. Yeah. I can do it. But, Shonda, what were your other episodes that you, that sort of stick oh, out that okay. you remembered? Um, the Trail. Um, 208, Happy Birthday, Mr. President, where we shot the president. Oh, that, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was one of my f- most favorite things that we, we did, just because of what I got to do with the information of what happens when a president is shot and because of just the pain it played out for everybody, which was so great and what happened to Hawk and all that stuff. Um, White hats back on, which was the finale of season two where um, at the end she she says, says, dad, dad. Yeah. Remember remember that tape, that public (laughs) reading we did during, while the finale was airing, we did a, you guys did a reading like in front of an audience. Yeah. That was amazing. Every single person that I've talked to that was in the audience that night who was like friends or family or Adam, my husband, they remember it as one of the most special and out of body like theater experiences they've ever had. When we were reading the script, Joe Morton, Olivia Pope says dad. 
to Papa Pope and the entire People came out of their seats. <laughs> I remember that. Oh I remember Debbie Allen being like, oh shit, Debbie Allen's up. Mm-hmm. The, the audience was screaming, pointing at us. We were pointing at them. Everybody was screaming. I lost my voice for like a month. It was so great. Yeah. And so special. I also remember the abortion episode. Oh, that's on my list. That's on my list. That's a Christmas episode. Baby, it's cold outside. Mm. Oh, I wrote these down so I remember. Of course abortion oh, nice. is a Christmas yeah. episode. That was one yeah. of my favorites. But also because of what, like, it was our Christmas episode. And we got to watch Melly filibuster. And, like, it just oh, felt like we yes. were honoring women in so many different ways. It was great. <sighs> and because, you know, I feel like I write a show where – I'm deconstructing what love is. Like I'm trying to rip the, the the lid off the fairy tale. And what's funny is, is that everybody buys the fairy tale when I tell it every time. And then when I rip the lid off it, they're like, what do you mean Olivia's what? unhappy? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, did you not see the way he treats her? Like you know, yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And also that's real life, right? Like real life isn't tied up in a pretty bow. Yeah. No, they're not fairy tales. It's just not fairy tales. Um, Randy yeah. read Super Freaking Julia. Do you remember that one? What's that, that one? Was, that was when Olivia comes back and you have, first of all, you have the fun- Harrison's funeral. Um, oh, oh, remember she yeah. that? Oh my yes. goodness. Huck is working as like an Apple genius or something. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and <laughs> Katie, your character was the only one trying to like pull everybody together. Yes. Oh I remember God. that shit. Oh, that was fun. And you would become like a mini Olivia Pope. You'd become like a mini Olivia. I loved that episode. That made oh, me really happy. Oh, I can't wait to get to all of these episodes. I can't even stand it. I know. The lawn chair, run. Oh, the oh, lawn, lawn chair. chair. And run when she gets um, kidnapped. Oh. That, that was amazing. And that was yeah. amazing. The lawn chair episode. The guest stars and the stories that you... Tell us a little bit about how you always felt, and we always felt like you, you in the writer's room were ahead of the news cycle. Like, why would you write something and then some shit would happen? And we would be like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Well, part of that is that, like, the people in my room were crazy intelligent. And so they would, they would, like, extrapolate something to its extreme degree and be like, what if there was this Thorngate thing that was spying on everybody through their computers and their phones? And we were like, that can never happen. And somebody was like, technically, it can. And tell us all why it could. And then we'd do it. And then literally we'd find out that that's something that actually happened. Oh, like in my the future, God. They'd like unveil that they had done something like that. There were so many times that happened with so wow. many different stories. And it was so weird to us because we felt like we were making up the craziest stuff we could think of. And then it was just and happening. And then that shit would happen. Yeah. Yeah. It got so bad when, when we had to, we were making up like crazy presidential candidates and then that stuff happened. But yes. Yeah. Yes. Hollis Doyle. Oh, my God. Hollis Doyle. <laughs> It was great. You know, we've we've heard some of your most memorable episodes of the series, but she and I have some questions that came up from watching the pilot. First of all, where does Gladiator in a suit come from? I made that up. I made that up. I just love the way it sounded. And one day in my head, I was like, Gladiator's in a suit. Like, it just sounded good to me. Oh, so good. What I loved was how we got to, like, put that information down and that we told the story through the eyes of Quinn. What was important about that was nobody who was watching the show knew anything about this world. You know what I mean? They didn't right. know what a fixer right. was. They didn't know how any of it worked. And so we had a new person there to learn everything for us, which I thought was really important. Did Judy Smith say things I trust my gut or is this stuff you also made up? <laughs> Judy Smith says, trust your gut. Your gut will tell you everything you need oh, to know. Wow. That was one of the first things I wrote down in my notes from my meeting with her. That's a thing she always said. She said that and she said, stand in your truth. 
Those are the two that I always held on to. Yeah. Never, like, don't lie. It's that same thing. Don't lie. Never tell a lie. Right. Yeah. Wow. And then I loved, like, and it's, I don't know if it was aired in the broadcast show because it was too long, but I made them put it in for the DVD and any subsequent airings. Huck basically says to her, you know, we're all damaged. You know, like, everybody here is damaged. Like, get used to it. Yeah. In the bathroom scene. And I love that. Yeah. That was one of my favorite scenes. And what I loved about it was it just told you who everyone was. Like, and when I wrote that scene... What, what was I was one? just going to say, he says, we're all stray dogs. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God, that scene. What I loved about that was when I wrote it, I wasn't thinking as much about that. But the minute I wrote that line, I was like, oh, what are what's everybody's problem? Mm. Like, how did they come to a living? Everyone's Ugh. from the I- Misfits. Everyone's from mm-hmm. Misfit Toys. And boy, did you deliver. Did you that give it fun. to us? Oh, my God. <laughs> and that whole speech that Olivia gives to Amanda Tanner. You think she's this lovely person and then she just decimates her and you see what her job really is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's the devil. It's horrible. She's the one who she needs to make things happen. She's the person who handles stuff. So she has to handle it whatever way works. And I just remember like the devastation on Quinn's face and the way it was shot. Oh, was yeah. So well done. Yeah. I had no idea that scene was like that. I remember being like, oh, you know, my your line, your line, your line, my line. I like didn't work that hard on that scene because I don't have any lines. <laughs> Right. Which is the worst doctor ever. I understand and that, then I, re- <laughs> I remember standing back there and Liza, you know, she's so good at being emotional and she's working oh, on her. She was amazing. Being so upset. And, you know, Carrie has this this epic monologue that you were talking about, about, oh, is this a nice dog? And then she goes through like, oh, that stint where your mom was in the nut house. And, yeah, and the gonorrhea mouth. And, oh. and, yeah. and it, I, it would be easier and better for you if you just got the hell out of here type of thing. And then I remember Paul coming up to me and being like, this is obviously my acting wasn't that great. But he came up to me and said, like, this is <laughs> shut <laughs> he up. Said, no, he basically was like, we are understanding the stakes of this scene and how fucked up this is through you and your eyes. And I was like, oh, crap, oh, wow. I do matter. Yeah. Crap. I have to yeah. make a choice. Like, <laughs> I, gotta I have to feel something. And then Olivia does the slow-mo in the white jacket yes. from Lynn Palo and gets yes. on the phone and she just says, it's handled. And then it goes to Quinn's face and she just is like, I can't even believe I've, I'm working for this woman. She's, this is, this is all, like the, she's kind of the devil, but also the hero, which is how... Olivia Let's talk about the fact that it was an exterior scene and that everybody, everybody, Bob Woodward, everybody was like, when are you in D.C. shooting the show? And I was like, we're never in D.C. shooting the show. That's all fake. And how amazing that that department do. Like people would come up to us all the time and be like, yo, when are you guys going to be in D.C. again? You're Why are you here? Don't you guys shoot the show in D.C.? And we'd always be like, no, it's all green screen. And that that team that did that, that work was just Stellar. I mean, yeah. And people really, Washingtonians really believe we were shooting in D.C. And and I remember, I mean, my favorite thing that we got to do was, A, it's awesome to have a job where you get to write interior White House. And then they build you a White House. Yes, that you can the go White play. House. I literally played in the Oval Office for like a billion oh. years. Um, yeah. But even better was like writing like the interior, res- you know, the White House residence. And then like the balcony. And we got to go to to the White House and film what it actually looked like from the balcony oh, and use it for the show, which had, never, no. which had never been done before, which was so cool. Wow. wow. Thank God we didn't shoot the show in D.C. because when we did go there, it was so cold. We would complain about being in wool coats and it being so hot. But honestly, 
I prefer that to the one episode we did in DC where I was holding Guillermo's ears from become from Huck's ears from turning into icicles. Turning red, yeah. Also, we could have never shot the show there. Scandal, the cast of Scandal, I can hide, but it was like you were a beetle when we got when the cast of Scandal got dropped into DC or when Shonda Rhimes gets dropped into DC and you're on a political show. It was crazy watching the reactions there. That was amazing. One of the best things from for me was like I was I was all about a shooting in LA everything because I had kids people had kids people, and as the show went on people had more and more kids and I just felt like people's lifestyles should not be like standing in the middle of Washington DC in the middle of the night hoping you can get home at some point <laughs> oh my god and it gosh. was it, it wasn't only like fans on the street or fans that watched the show it was it was like people in DC like when we went and met like Obama and the first lady Michelle Obama like hearing her Tell me and tell all of us, oh, my God, I was just watching an episode as they were doing my hair and makeup. I was like, what? Like the people that were in that world were watching our show. It was so surreal to me. So surreal that like actual Washingtonian people. I mean, I remember George Bush Jr. calling up Judy Smith and saying, you know, we didn't really have an affair, right? And like them laughing about it. Shut up, yeah, Shonda. Yeah, like I was, my mind was blown. My mind was blown. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. Oh my God. I think it was such a gift that we sort of, also that scandal was sort of a slow burn that people caught on to the show. I mean, it really wasn't. It was very helpful. I think we got to a place where we weren't this like overnight thing. So we had sort of. But we were obsessed with the show and doing a good job and doing the best we could. And we got to really make it in this sort of bubble where people weren't looking. And then by the time everyone started looking, I can remember being on red carpet and they would say, like, what does it feel like to be on a hit show? Yeah. And I'd be like, wait, are we? What? We are? Yeah. Like, I but, just was so yeah. like, what? Right, because it was such yeah. a slow burn. It was such a slow burn. But also, yeah, I feel like, Katie, like none of us ever got cocky about it. Like no one ever got cocky. Every season we'd be like, oh, my God, I hope we get picked up. It was never like, ah, we're, we're fucking in. Like, this is pff, whatever. We're a hit. Fuck this shit. We're the best. It was, was always like we that. wanted to just be the best. You were. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Shonda. Shonda's like, I was, Not motherfucker. <laughs> How do you think, like, everyone says the show, why it was so magical a lot is that because our lead showrunner boss, Shonda Rhimes, and our lead actor Carrie Washington are number one the two of you you know shit ra- rolls downhill and that just never happened on our show how did you and Carrie make a world where that was the case for so long because everyone would I say in the they- beginning wait till season four you're all gonna fucking yeah. hate each other or yeah. whatever, be yeah. dicks. wait like do you remember on the pilot the first day we ever shot the show on the pilot we were on the Grey's Anatomy set shooting the hospital scenes and you said, or maybe it wasn't the pilot. Maybe it was episode two. No, I think it was. Yeah, it was no, episode two. No, it's the two. pilot. It was it's the, the pilot. pilot. And yeah, you say, sweet baby. You say, like, yeah, you say, I'm never, ever going to be, like, going to not be grateful. And I remember pulling out my phone and being like, can you say that again into my camera? No. Because I was so sure that, like, in four years, Amazing. You know, she would be, like, complaining about her trailer or something. We, none of us were like that. None of us. I really. But, yeah, say it. 
Say I was it. just going to say, Carrie would do stuff like uh, when we were done shooting a scene, she would stop everyone and ha- ask for silence and thank all the background, thank our crew. Like th- the stuff that, that Carrie would do just made the set so special and so inviting and so warm and kind. And that's so rare, you know? I think, in my opinion, I feel like, and I don't remember that Carrie actually said this to me or not, but this is what I assumed, that she had been on a lot of sets and seen all kinds of behavior and knew when when it was good and when it was bad, like knew the feeling. Because if you're like just starting out, you know what that feels like when some when number one is horrible and sort of had vowed to never be a bad number one. And also, I think she felt the entire weight of the pressure of being like the first black lead actress in a drama and not wanting that to be like, and she was a bitch. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Oh my gosh, I've never thought about that. They would That's have ran really, with that. Yeah. And she was just a lovely person to begin with, but she really worked hard to remain humble and to keep everybody around her like feeling good about what they were doing as well to make sure it felt like a group effort. The fact that she never complained about those fucking shoes, I would have lost my mind. Like for seven years cramming her little foot into six inch high heels. I. But Shonda, you never you were always the same you and Betsy would call these meet we would do table reads and then you would say okay I'd like all the actors to stay after for 10 minutes to which we would all be like oh my god oh my god we're in trouble please don't let us be in trouble but we would sit there and you would always say it would be like you know if anything comes up or you want to talk about anything or we should be your first call like I never had this somebody like in the middle of the night like you need help someone gets an accident somebody to like calm us let us help you we are all in this together and it was just seemed like a very supportive. I don't know. I learned so much. I think you've sent us all out into our other jobs to really expect nothing less than the behavior and the vibe that we created for ourselves on that show. I feel really lucky because I had the experience of never working in TV before, writing a show and having it be like a crazy out of the box hit where all of these actors became famous overnight and chased by paparazzi and stuff. And that was Grace. And I didn't I didn't know how to handle any of that. You know what I mean? Like I learned that through the process of, of like working there every day. And it was great to be able to bring that knowledge to the table, you know, and say this is what it is. And that was so much. It just made it so much better. I want to also credit Mary Howard, because really the line producer really does have everything to do with the feel and the atmosphere on a set. And I, I think that she was incredibly valuable in that process. Yes. And you were also like, the show is so important and your health is so important, but you all and Mary Howard were also like, and your families are super important. Mm -hmm. Like it was always like, you know, she was work. If someone was going through anything at home or, you know, people had things going on, she was very much, she's a very family oriented. I think everybody was on the show. I think that was the thing. Like she was family oriented. We were family oriented. It felt normal. It really did. Um, is there anything in closing? Can you please come back on the Scandal Rewatch podcast? Yes, there's so much more to talk about. I will come back whenever you guys want me to. Like, I love this. I love that you're doing it. I'm, I'm I here love for it. it. Awesome. Well, I think it's going to give, I think that our gladiators who have been just laying dormant for years looking for a place to go and geek out and wear their gladiator shirts and drink out of their gladiator cups <laughs> and eat their popcorn and wine and rewatch the shows and tell people who haven't seen it to sit their asses down and go watch it. And it's been such a gift to Guillermo and I to go back and watch this show. Beyond. Yeah. I think for, I think for like gladiators, I always just want to say like gladiators, like this is where you're going to get the inside scoop, you know, like stuff that was that we've never talked about. Yeah. 
Hell Don't yeah. you want to know that Guillermo Diaz had a threesome the night that we presented <laughs> Shonda Rhimes with her GLAAD award? That's amazing. It's You're amazing. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> See, things I didn't know. This is right. Things we didn't know. So since Twitter was such a massive thing for scandal, Shonda, we're, we're going to finish this episode and do this in many episodes by reading some of the best tweets surrounding the scandal moment. Tweet, 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 tweet of the time. Tweets of the time, yeah. Tweets of the time. On April 4th in 2012, actually, Shonda Rhimes tweeted, this is the best ad for Scandal ever. Thank you for the Scandal cake. And it's a picture of a cake. And they they actually drew Kerry Washington on the cake. And it says, my gut tells me everything I need to know. Watch Scandal Thursdays 10 at 10. Who made that cake, Shonda? Do you remember? I have no idea. It literally just appeared in our office as a gift. Shut up. And we but, were so excited yeah. by it. <laughs> and then and then you tweeted again, Shonda, a few minutes later or, uh, or later that day. Uh, the uh, Grey's Anatomy Scandal writers couldn't take it. They had to eat the Scandal cake. And it's a picture of half of the cake gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, let's just preserve it as this beautiful thing. And then decided to eat it. Yes. It looks delicious. It was quite good. I think everybody thought it was quite good. That's hilarious. Um, then you also tweeted on April 3rd, 2012, Shonda Rhimes tweeted, meet at Judy Smith, the woman behind at Scandal ABC's Olivia Pope and get your copy of her new book, Good Self, Bad Self at Amazon. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and we already had this shirt. Marco, who is a, a who is a key player at Shondaland, Mark, Marco Esquivel, already posted a picture of gladiator and sweatshirts and it was a sweatshirt picture that says do you want to be a gladiator in a suit we were already wow. having yes. merch yes we were, we were having merch from the beginning which was crazy and can which we talk about crazy. how we how they named us the our fans became our gladiators right like someone on twitter just ran with that and then all of a sudden it was like the gladiators and that's 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 so that was such a, a memorable moment right and that that has stuck around too cuz people will still come up to me on the street now and be oh, like yeah. yo i'm a gladiator i'm a gladiator <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i get that all the time what i loved about that and i thought was so at the time especially Twitter was about the fans coming together and deciding things like now i think they put out like for other shows they put out like Tested hashtags, which I didn't understand. Uh, I was like, we we don't. Yeah, the we, decide the hashtags. The fans decide no. the hashtags. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. they came up with Huckleberry Quinn. They came up with Olitz. Yeah, that's not our job. No, it's their Did community. You, yeah, I forget. Mm -hmm. Was it your idea or Carrie's idea for all of us to be on Twitter? What's I that think that Carrie. Again? If I remember correctly, I think Carrie came to me and said it would be really cool if we all got on Twitter and tweeted the shows. And then I remember then wow. she just said it like that and like backed away. And then I remember sitting at a table reading being like, you're all going to get on Twitter. <laughs> we're going to help you do so. And we did. We were like, we got to get on Twitter. But once again, as usual, Carrie was right. Yeah, it was right. She <laughs> was right. Carrie was right. Yeah. Um, do you remember? Do you remember us following? I started following everybody on Twitter, Katie, yeah. like even like fans. I was like, follow. And but now, you know, you can't do that. But no. but I remember fans. We had no idea we were doing. We sent Jeff Perry out onto Twitter yes. and he, oh he did it. He did great. He but did I remember great. sitting really there cute. with yeah. Adam, like sitting next to Jeff being like, this is how you do it. Or Joe Morton. I mean, people. Yes. And they came up with their own sort of Twitter personalities. Like Joe Morton tweeted sort of like Papa Pope. These like very yeah. like cryptic, cryptic, yeah. big posts. Um, 
My favorite Twitter thing that ever happened was, and I don't, I don't know that anybody else really knows this, but Scott Foley had been playing Jake, this bad guy for a while and the audience hated him and he didn't complain about it or anything, but like the tweets were clear. The audience just wanted him dead. And so I wrote this episode where he gets thrown into that, the B613, the hole or whatever. And and no, and then Olivia comes in because it's like the president thinks that he killed his son. And then Olivia comes in and he gives a speech that like he says, it's OK if you don't choose me. And then he gives her the, the number of the account that he wants her to get the money to his mom and all the stuff. And I literally I made Scott sit with me. And like when the scene came on, I was like, watch your Twitter feed. Just watch it. Like I was like, it's going to go from I hate this dude to, oh, my God, Jake is amazing. And it literally no happened just like that. It took three minutes <laughs> oh, wow. for Twitter to entirely change its tune. And I was like, Twitter is a powerful, powerful force. It was, past tense. If your character was against Olivia Pope, you were getting Twitter death threats. Or if your character was coming at all in the middle of Fitz and Olivia, you were- Oh my God. Forget it. Yeah. Like, that was so crazy. <laughs> it was just, it was a movement. It was just- but then people like Oprah Winfrey and like Bette Midler and Rihanna started tweeting also about the yes. show. Mariah Carey. Yeah. And we were like, what is happening? Prince once put on a suit and sent a picture of himself that said gladiator in a suit. He no, he didn't, Shonda. He put that on Twitter. Are you kidding? I'm going to send it to you because I have a um, screenshot. Because I, I went, you know, Prince was everything. He also sent me a list of songs that would be okay for me to use on the show. What? Did you ever use one? Yes. When, well... It's so sad because when Prince died, I did an episode that was all oh. my whole the whole night of television. That Thursday night was all Prince songs. Oh. Yeah, Sean, oh, I love man. you. Man, that's wow, just the what loveliest. A story. That is the loveliest thing. I mean, when that's how we also started to feel like, oh, the show's happening. When it, someone would come into work and be like, "Did you see like Rihanna tweeted that she's watching the show?" I can remember being at Carrie's L women in Hollywood dinner and I was sitting next to Iman and she was like, my husband and I sit and we watch the show. I'm like, are you talking about David Bowie? David <laughs> Bowie right, exactly. is sitting and watching Scandal? I mean, this is Ugh. crazy. I freaked out when when Mrs. Obama and the president were like, like, we have some we have some things to tell you about the show, about the White House. Wow. You know what I, mean? I was like, because like, Mrs. Obama was like, you're not getting it right. You got to get it right. Wow. And it was great. She was like, this is what the private residence look like. This is where the stairs are. Like, this is da, da, da. Like, this is how the White House is set up. She showed me how we were making the door, using the doors incorrectly, like doing the window panes on the doors incorrectly. And I came back no. and had to change them. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is amazing. Oh, my God. This show. Man, the things we learned on it, the people it brought together. Shonda, thank you for being the first guest on the uh, Scandal Rewatch podcast. Thank you, Shonda. The toolbox. I will show up for you anytime. You know, I love you guys. Scandal, scandal fam. So, yeah. Yes, scandal fam. Scandal fam. That's right. <laughs> yes, scandal for life. fam for life. And we love you. Thank you for writing this show that turns out when you watch it all over again. Yes. It's still great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank, thank you, you so guys. much, Shonda. Thank you guys thank for you, doing thank this. You. Yeah. Of course. It's our pleasure. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. I'm just so. Oh, that everybody... was so great. We're so filled up that I need to keep going with my gladiator cup. Right? I'm going to pour some whiskey in my in my cup. 
Coke Zero. I know, now. It's only ten fifteen. Is that too early to have a Chateauneuf? Oh no, it's also a Thursday. I don't know what that means, but it's a Thursday. <laughs> Here's another. See, it's TGIT. <laughs> I'll have you all know yes. that the first episode yes. of Scandal Rewatch Podcast Unpacking the Toolbox with guest Shonda Rhimes was recorded on a fucking Thursday. And Katie has a shirt that says hashtag TGIT. Remember this? Oh my god. And we're drinking out of our gladiator cups. And I cannot remember for the life of me, what was the name of the made-up wine on Scandal? Oh, like, I don't know. I knew Betsy Beers would know this. See, this whole this whole podcast is not about me texting people, but it is because I want to find out the correct things. I wrote, sorry to bug you so early, doing Scandal podcast. What was the fake made-up name of the wine again? Because I'm going to pretend to drink it on the podcast. It was Chateauneuf de Pop. And it was called Chateau du Belay, Wow. Which is complete bullshit and not made up. I love that Betsy remembered that. Betsy knew that. Well, because she was the person who they went. She's she's a she knows a lot about fancy wine. And I think the story goes is like the writer's room reached out to her and was like, what would be a really fancy, insanely priced bottle of wine that Olivia Pope will always oh. be drinking? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mine this morning is cranberry juice. That's old as fuck. And I found in the back of my... And Carrie never drank cranberry juice on set. She drank grape juice. Really? Right? I don't know. Whatever had the less sugar. Yeah, I think her fake wine was grape juice, which I think she like loved. I remember oh, wow. Carrie being like, this grape juice is so delicious. I love this. <laughs> but yo, this Scandal Rewatch podcast, you guys better tune fire. in and tell your friends because it's fire. We have every single guest and amazing person you could want who starred on Scandal or starred behind the scenes on Scandal. Yep. Some secret guests coming up that you are not going to want to miss. Going to get all the scoop, all the scoop from behind the scenes from at parties. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Guillermo and I are so grateful to have this show. And it's been such a gift. And we're so excited to be on this ride with you guys. And yes. um, we love you. And we want you guys to get hooked on rewatching the show like we are now. Oh, my gosh. Everyone, tune in next week to episode 102 of Scandal, Dirty Little Secrets. We all got them. We all got them. <laughs> better tell somebody. Bye. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on Unpacking the Toolbox. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share with your friends, rate, or leave us a review. Scandal is executive produced by Sandy Bailey, Alex Alche, Lauren Homan, Tyler Klang, and Gabrielle Collins. Our producer and editor is Vince DeJohnny, with music by Chad Fisher. Scandal is a production of ABC Signature, and you can follow along by rewatching Scandal on Hulu. Unpacking the Toolbox is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app or anywhere you subscribe to your favorite shows. Discover new technology and endless comfort with Victoria's Secret's number one collection, Body by Victoria. With over 3,500 five-star reviews, see what all the hype is about when it comes to their best-selling styles. Their latest innovation features lightweight construction that provides support where you need it without an ounce of padding. Experience unlined perfection with the nearly undetectable Invisible Lift Demi Bra, or comfortably reduce your bust line by up to one inch with the Invisible Lift Minimizer Bra. Available in cups A through G and bands 30 to 44, that's 43 sizes in 22 styles. Shop now at your nearest Victoria's Victoria's Secret store and online at victoriasecret.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. 
The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.